0: Have you ever had a job where if you quit tomorrow, no one would notice? Like if you literally walked in the door of your job, said, what am I doing here, and left. Have you ever had that kind of job? And, you know, you walk in, you say, forget this place, you walk out, is anybody even going to notice I'm gone? Have you ever had that kind of job? I was listening to, the other day, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, it's an NPR podcast called Hidden Brain. And they're doing an episode on, uh, what I'm going, to, I'm going to say this, uh, he used different words, but we're, you know, we're in, we're in church. We'll call BS Jobs, and if you listen to the podcast, just beware, they don't use the they use the full phrase, so just that's your uh, warning. Uh, but we'll call it a BS job, as we'll call it. It's basically any job where you find yourself contemplating the fact that, you know, what I do here doesn't matter. You know, it feels meaningless, pointless, or just a waste of time. Now, in the podcast, they mentioned that surprising, like, 37 to 40% of people in their jobs feel like they're in a pointless BS job. Uh, like, this, if, if they left tomorrow, it wouldn't matter. Now, as we, you know, as I at least think about what I would consider like a pointless, meaningless job, you know, I, you know what comes to mind is like, I don't know, uh, forgive me if you've been any of these things <laughs> or you know someone who is this thing, but, you know, like a Walmart greeter, a Costco receipt checker, uh, or, or a bathroom attendant. Things that just don't seem like they matter. But surprisingly, it was people in service and retail jobs, they didn't feel that way. They, they didn't feel like their jobs were a waste of time. Rather, it was the people in these corporate office jobs who felt like they were in the BS jobs whose jobs were a complete waste of time. You know, many of these workers found themselves in this blurred reality where it was like, you know, they knew that their job was complete unnecessary, but they're in this balance of like, okay, how much do I have to like pretend to work, and how much can I just like goof off and make cat memes or whatever, right? And then at what point can I just be honest and say, like, hey, my job does not matter. So in, in this podcast, the guy talked about four uh, what he called basically meaningless BS jobs. One he called, like, a duct taper. So, you know, he told a story about he was working in this university, and he, he broke a shelf, and this guy came in and said, like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, we can't fix your shelf, we're really busy. And that was, that was the guy's only job, was just to come around and say, hey, the actual guy who can fix yourself is actually really busy. I can't do it. I'm just telling you, I'm sorry. It's going to take a while. So we call that a duct taper, you know, just kind of duct taping over the problem. Another kind of job is like a task master, task master. and he talked about a lot of mental management corporate jobs are kind of this way, uh, where it's kind of like, you know, you're supervising a bunch of people who really just can do the job on their own. I guess the example is like Michael Scott for us office fans here. Uh, <laughs> you know, y- y- people who don't really need and to make themselves look like they need a job, they kind of invent paperwork and processes and forms to, to make their higher-ups look like they're actually doing something. Uh, another job is what they, he, this guy referred to as a flunky. Um, so he used the example of like a footman, if, you're, you, know, if you know Cinderella, the old Cinderella story, how what was it, the mice or something that got turned into footmen? You know, and I guess this is interesting. I learned this, that I guess back in the day, um, a footman would, like, ride on the carriage and then run ahead to see if there was any, like, bumps in the road ahead. So the, the point being, like, if you can hire a footman to run ahead of your carriage, like, he's not really a necessary job. And I think, like, the, necess- the uh, modern day comparison might be, like, a posse. if that makes sense? Like, you know, probably Kanye and Kim and all those folks have their posse who travels along with them. And lastly, the, the, the last, like, meaningless job, BS job, is what he called a goon job. and That's kind of like the easiest example is like a telemarketer. Like, you ask most telemarketers, like, yeah, I, I, I hate my job. It's a BS job. But, you know, you've you got to pay the bills, right? So you work where you can. So perhaps you found yourself in one of these kinds of jobs. I know for me, uh, I actually worked as a telemarketer. Please don't hate me. Um, and the funny thing, it was for, I'm going to say it because I don't like them anyway, Chase Bank, so you can hate them, um, but Chase Bank, they had, this, they had this whole thing about card activation. So you call and activate your credit card. The thing is, like, your only point of being answering the phone is just to try to sell them something else. So really, a BS job. Because, uh, you know, you could do it electronically, you could do it over the phone, through their whatever system. You didn't really need to talk to anybody they just wanted you me a person to answer the phone and then try to sell the customer something uh, another bsi job bs job i had was i i have complained about this job a lot and if you you know you're probably gonna sick of me talking about this job but you know i worked in this warehouse and i won't say where uh because it's in town but it was a seasonal very seasonal business so the the, the winters were just terribly slow and i you know you you obviously want to stay on the clock and making money because i need the money but there wasn't a whole lot, of heck of a lot to do, so they'd kind of give you these jobs that would take like, I don't know, half an hour in, in real time, but because you need to like stay on the clock, you kind of make it last an hour. So this kind of repeated cycle of like half hour job you make last an hour, so then like your supervisor would give you a job that he would think would take you an hour, but really only takes you half an hour. So you're Just kind just, just of like fill time and wasting time. It's just super boring, super torture, super BS, but you know, what are you going to do? You need the money. So the the uh, the guy in the interviewed in the podcast tells a story about this time he was a dishwasher. Uh, he was a he was a teenager washing dishes for a restaurant. Um, so him and his buddies, I guess they'd gotten hired at this this restaurant, and it was a you know busy restaurant. And you know what are what, what's the job of a dishwasher? To wash dishes, right? So the dinner rush comes in. There's all these dishes. They're they're powering through because they're teenage boys and they get motivated, we get motivated by these silly stupid goals. So they're powering through washing all these dishes and they get all the dishes stacked clean, you know, these gleaming pile of dishes. And they're just kind of sitting there chilling, admiring their work. And then the, the supervisor comes back. He's like, hey guys, what are you doing? Why aren't you working? And they're like, and the guy's like, well look, look at our look at our work. And the guys and the supervisor's like, what do you mean? You're on the clock, you should be working and, and, and the boys are like, what do you mean? Like this is my job. I did my job. So the supervisor was giving them, like, more projects to do, and, and, you know, quickly became apparent, like, for the dishwashers, like, well, there's, there's really no incentive for me to be efficient. There's really no incentive for me to, like, try hard. Uh, just kind of, like, you know, you had to just, like, uh, just milk the clock, as they say, and, and they, you know, they learned there's basically no point in working fast, because being efficient will get you too much or get you more work. Now, um, when I was at this old warehouse shop, we had a dude, I tell you, he could milk the clock like nobody else. I mean, he was a master at milking the clock, and we always, uh, you know, mocked him for it. But he was so good at milking the clock that he could just ignore our public shaming and just continue to milk the clock. So, you know, he was that. Now, for, for, you know, for the rest of us, we think like, hey, milking the clock, like, that's easy. Like, we want to get paid to not do anything. Uh, but in reality, they, they say it's actually harder than we think. Um, so again, this, this, on this podcast, a guy was saying that humans have what's called pleasure at being a cause, um, meaning it's, it's fun to do things. And I guess there's this, this researcher who was studying infants, and he found that uh, infants recognize that they recognize their distinct entity— when they could, like, move a hand and recognize that they were, like, when their hand moved a pencil, when they connected, that was them, you know, and their hand moving a pencil, having a cause, like, like they felt a sense of pleasure out of that, and that this feeling of happiness came over the child. So the, the, the deduction was, it seems like our sense of self is tied up with a joyous realization that we can have an effect on the world. You know, so when... When children or when a baby can't have an effect, can't influence their world, their self, uh, their well-being decreases, and they go from being happy to confused and upset, which makes sense. Because I think in the same way, if we're blocked from having a meaningful effect on the world around us, we too get, uh, we lose motivation, and we get depressed. I know, yeah, for sure, we'll, we'll be talking about this in the coming weeks. You'll probably hear some of these stories. We're talking about uh, real talk, mental, uh, mental health in the church. We want to talk about that and end the stigma. Um, but I know for me, some of my worst mental health times were in these these, these times where I had these BS jobs, if you will. And uh, like I said, I bet many of us at some point in our lives, we've had a job that felt pointless. Whether it was a duct taper, or a taskmaster, you know, funky or goon, we can understand the uh, mental and emotional anguish of having a job that just seems pointless. You know, it's f- for me, it was like the dread each night of going to bed, realizing I had to get up in the morning for, the, for a job that I loathed. And then it, was, then it was in the morning, it was the drudgery of getting myself out of bed to be on time to a job that I felt like was a waste of my time. And then it was the soul-crushing, perhaps you felt this, the soul-crushing experience of like, you know, feeling like days, weeks, months, years are going by and you have nothing to show for it. It can be a bit demoralizing, to say the least. You know, and as, as painful as demoralizing these kind of jobs can be, I guess at least we could say, hey, hey, I'm, I'm getting a paycheck. I mean, that was, that was my, like, saving grace when I was in this kind of BS job, where I could like go home and tell my wife and be like, "Hey, at least I'm I'm helping us," like somewhat paying the bills at least. But can you imagine? Can you imagine how much worse things would be if, rather than having a paying job, you were actually the victim of abuse and you were trying to plead your case in front of a judge who was just cold and heartless? So recently, I don't know if you've seen this, I've been watching this show, Korean and I have been watching this show, uh, Unbelievable, on Netflix, which highlights the story uh, primarily of this young woman who was sexually assaulted and kind of just her, her ridiculous efforts to, uh, you know, trying to convince these detectives to believe her. And, you know, just watching the show, just watching her story portrayed, it's just, it's painful to see. And I can hardly imagine the emotional, the, the mental, the physical anguish and turmoil, you know, someone like her went through, trying to convince someone in authority, trying to convince someone who's, who should be protecting you that, you know, you need protected, that you're, you're, you need help. And then them not caring at all. I mean, just, just watching it just seems soul-crushing. I mean, how does one keep living, keep working, keep advocating for oneself when those whose job it is, those very, their only job, their only job is to protect you, and they don't seem to care? And even if maybe you haven't, thankfully, had to deal with something like that, you know, we all, in ways big and in small, find ourselves making what feels like fruitless, pointless meaningless attempts to bring health and happiness and success to ourselves to our families to our communities you know maybe maybe it's just like a like i mentioned maybe it's going into a job that you just loathe and worse it's just like it doesn't pay enough to pay the bills i mean in the denver metro what do they talk about you know the living wage being necessary to afford an apartment. And we know there's countless people who go into a job every day that really doesn't even pay them enough to pay their bills. You know, I imagine, you know, maybe uh, as a female, it's working as hard or harder than that that male co-worker, yet seeing that male get promoted or, you know, get paid more than you. Maybe it was, maybe it's something like, you know, organizing for a, a good effort that's going to benefit your community and do good in your community. And then, you know, you do all this work and you, you, you make all this effort and then you see some big money and big power come in and just squash the whole thing. It can be a bit demoralizing. And, you know, I, I think we can all kind of wonder, like, in, in this kind of constant drudgery, like, how do we keep going? How do we keep working? How do we keep doing right when there just seems like this, you know, BS To it. So last week we were talking about, um, or or this week we're in our last series of Jesus for President, and we've been uh, we've been talking about how to live faithfully as followers of Jesus beyond the walls of the church. and In the past weeks, we've uh, analysis talked about uh, working for justice, and we've talked about um, continuing to work. And do right even when life seems complicated. So, today we're talking about how to keep doing good even when life seems stacked against us. So, last week we were looking at a parable uh, in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and this week we're going to look at another parable um, called the, 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 the unjust judge and the widow. So again, for those who were here last week, a parable is kind of like a simple story with a deeper meaning that's kind of used to tell a, 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 a spiritual or a moral point. And Jesus often told stories like these, these parables to try to, to again, teach people that something. So some, some modern-day examples of parables we might think of would be like the, uh, the ant and the grasshopper, which I mentioned last week, and then the boy who cried woof. Again, you know, the boy who cried wolf. He says, hey, there's a wolf here. And, you know, if people come running to help him. There's no wolf again. He does it again. And eventually, what happens? He cries wolf one too many times and there's a wolf and no one comes to help him and the sheep are lost. So That's, that's a modern day parable, we might say. So, in this story, Jesus is telling a parable about this widow and this unjust judge. So, uh, we have the words here on the screen. Uh, Luke chapter 18. I like to go ahead and I like to go ahead and read it from the The paper here, just uh, like reading from books. But um, while I'm flipping ahead, you're welcome to to find it in your Bible or just go ahead and read off the screen while I'm doing it. But Luke chapter 18, starting in verse one. So Jesus told the says Jesus told them a parable the need to pray always and to not lose heart. Jesus said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people in that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying grant me justice against my opponent so for a while he the judge the judge refused but later he the judge said to himself though I, at least i have good self-awareness here Though will have no fear for god or respect for anyone yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will grant her justice Uh, so that she may not wear me out by continuing to come. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? I tell you, Jesus says, he will quickly grant justice to them, and yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. So a couple of things uh, I want to point out about this story is first, again, who's one of the key characters in the story, a widow, right? So one thing that we should know first off is uh, that there was a widow even having to plead her case to this judge was a problem in and of itself, because the Bible is full of calls uh, and urgings to take care of the vulnerable in society, which in this time was uh, widows and orphans, because in their patriarchal society they needed, they needed a man they need a male figure to help them out. So this, this widow, like, already society was failing her already because she should have been taken care of by those people in her society, but they weren't. So that's problem number one. Uh, and again, and if that wasn't bad enough, she's presenting to this, this judge who, as the text said, had no fear for God or no fear for people, no respect for people. I mean, not exactly the kind of person you want to be deciding your future, right? Especially when you're in a vulnerable position. So as the, as the story goes, it's not like he had a he had it's not like he had a sudden epiphany or you know moral clarity or whatever. He just it was the opposite. In fact, he's like you know what I don't care. I have no fear of God or respect for anyone. But this widow keeps bothering me, so I'll grant her justice so she won't wear me out by continually coming. So what's interesting here, if I can nerd out for just a little bit. You know, we all know that the Bible is written in, a, in an ancient language, ancient Greek, not in English. And, uh, you know, translators do the best they can to translate ancient Greek into English we can recognize today, right? So what's interesting is uh, scholars think there's actually th- three different phrases that could have been uh, translated from what we read, wear me out by continually coming. So that's, that's one possible meaning, you know, wear me out by continually coming. Another thing is, it could have been that the, the judge was saying, I'll grant her justice so she won't expose me in public. That's an option. A third option, which I find quite interesting, it could have been more literally the judge saying, I'll grant her justice so she won't come and slap me in the face. So, one way or another, this judge was afraid of this woman, this widow, exposing her. So, whether he's worried about being slapped, being pestered, being annoyed, whatever... The judge was, finally did the right thing, not because of any goodness of his own part, because he kept uh, being pestered or was worried about being embarrassed. So I think it's quite interesting. Uh, because, I mean, if, if anyone would have an excuse to throw in the towel, to give it up, to say, I'm done, whatever, to walk away, it would have been this widow. But she didn't. And more, I think what's interesting is that Jesus highlights her persistence, her relentlessness, I mean, her stick to I guess, not as, not as a nice character trait or uh, not as a, as a nice story. No, Jesus highlights her persistence as a great act of faith. Verse 1, it tells us, Jesus told them, A parable about the need to pray always and to not lose heart. And then, again, Jesus ends the parable by saying, will Jesus find this kind of faith on earth? Hmm. You know, we often think about faith as being this exuberant, confident, assured sense having it all together, being confident in ourselves and in the future. But here, faith is far more simplistic. It's not losing heart, it's keeping on, keeping on. And that, that message that Jesus wanted His disciples to hear, the message that, you know, we can imagine Luke, the author, who wrote this down, wanted his readers to hear. I think it's the same message we all need to hear today. To not lose heart, to keep going, to keep working, no matter the challenges, no matter the obstacles, no matter the odds. The persistent widow shows us that we've got to keep working, keep trying, keep fighting. Because our small and seemingly insignificant acts, they can make a big difference. But we don't know how long it will take. But consider this. Someone was telling me about this. Paul was this week. A small, seemingly fragile plant can do incredible things. Like a like a, a sycamore tree root can buckle a sidewalk. A mushroom, a mushroom growing up, I guess, can shatter a cement floor. A tree root with enough time can split even the biggest boulder in two. Think about that for a moment. I mean, side by side, it's just a plant versus a rock. There's no comparison, right? But with time and persistence, the cement stands no chance. It reminded me of the, the Me Too movement, if you're familiar with with that hashtag MeToo for those of us on social media. So I guess the the MeToo movement, and I hope I'm saying her name right, was started back in 2006 by a woman woman named Tarana Burke. And she started this, this phrase, as a way to uh, give voice and raise awareness for those who had suffered, these women who had suffered abuse, uh, harassment, and assault. But even from 2006, her work made little headway, But then in 2017, seemingly out of nowhere, that phrase, Me Too, went viral, empowering countless women to share their stories of abuse, uh, assault, harassment, and to bring accountability to those people who had been the cause of that abuse and harassment and assault. Against the entrenched power of abusers and seemingly Unbreakable positions of power, like a persistent plant, Tarana Burke and her Me Too movement slowly but surely pushed into that rock and in time, breaking into pieces. It's a powerful lesson for us to remember today. As demoralizing as life can be, as pointless as our actions can seem, as meaningless as what we do might feel, it matters, you matter. And each and every day, each and every day you get up and you go to work for a job you hate to take care of your family, that's an act of faith. Each and every day you get on the phone and you call your insurance saying, I need this treatment covered, and they refuse. That's an act of faith. Each and every day you go out and advocate for your community to bring justice and peace and good for your community. You are acting in great, great faith. And more, not only are you acting in great faith, you are actually helping to bring about God's ways to earth. See, this is worth paying attention to. So, Jesus told this story, these two parables, one we looked at today, in the context of Jesus talking about God's ways of doing things. And Jesus talked about God's ways of doing things in contrast to the ways of the powerful doing things, where the powerful cheated, exploited, and mistreated God's ways about including, helping, uplifting. But here's the thing. Jesus points out that the responsibility to bring God's ways is just as much on us as it is on God. Like, we've got to do our part, and God can't do it all for us. What I appreciate, though, is that God's ways doesn't come through power, through violence, through intimidation. God's ways come through small, persistent acts of faith. us caring for our family, us looking out for our neighbor, us seeking fairness and justice for everyone. This is God's way. This is great faith. So I want to say today to keep at it. Keep working. Keep loving. Keep helping. Keep sharing. Because in so doing, you are showing yourself To be a person of great faith. No matter how pointless, how meaningless, how trivial, what you do matters. A verse I used to hear a lot growing up, Ephesians 6 9, and I'm going to say it in the King James Version because that's how I remember hearing it. Let us not grow weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, keep at it. Let's pray.